You're listening to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Some material may be disturbing and we use adult language. Listener discretion is advised. If you love the show, be sure to hit subscribe so that you never miss new episodes. And if you want to support the show, please visit www.patreon.com slash killerqueenspod where as little as $3 a month gets you early access to shows and amazing additional content. Now on to today's case. Welcome back. <laughs> We're really excited about recording, but for some reason we cannot stop yawning. We got the we got the noon sleepies because we <laughs> ate lunch at like 10.30. <laughs> Time for our nap. Yeah, that's rough stuff. So yes, welcome back. So today we're going to talk about the disappearance of Brittany Drexel. This took place in April of 2009, and Brittany was 17 years old at the time. She was a high school student from... Now, there's a lot of... I've seen different pronunciations of this. I'm 100% positive. How can you see a pronunciation? Like, I've seen it online. People be like, it's pronounced this way. Okay. I know, which makes it really confusing because I just want to hear somebody who knows what they're talking about pronounce it correctly, but I'm just trying to read pronunciations. (laughs) That makes it hard. And then also, I'm just 1,000% sure, even though I've, I've gone down a lot of rabbit holes in this case, one of them being how the fuck to pronounce this word. It looks like chili, like chili powder. Mm. It's not what it is. It's either chai lay, chai lai, one of those, I think. Hmm. Chai, I think chai lay. But it's like legit spelled like T-Boz left eye and chili. Yeah. The other funny thing about this town, because I'm telling you, I did a lot of research on it. They have a, now I don't know how they pronounce it. Of course you don't. (laughs) But they have a chili fest maybe every year. Because see, it looks like chili. Now you'd think that's like a chili cook-off, right? Mm. Nothing to do with the food. Red hot chili peppers? Maybe. I I don't even remember what it is now, but I remember (laughs) that it said that they have a a chili fest, but it actually doesn't have anything to do with the food. (laughs) That's so stupid. Yeah, every year. I mean, no offense if that's... I just... It's just misleading. Yeah. Just say that. And us Southerners, we see chili, we're thinking about our chili cook-offs. We're also thinking about good times of year to have the chili. You're not, it can't be too hot. Yeah. So she was from Chile. I'm going to go with Chile. Okay. That sounds better than Chile. Yeah, it does. You know, I don't know what's right. Anyway, New York. And it's spring break week. Brittany and her friends are looking for somewhere to party down for the week. And they decide on Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which from them is like a 13 or 14 hour drive from Chile. I always wondered where people from other parts of the country go on vacation. Because if you're in Tennessee, the obvious one is Florida. Like that's where you go. Yeah. Sometimes Myrtle Beach, but that's pretty far. It is. Pretty it's still far. closer than that, right? It's like ten hours. That's committed to the spring break. <laughs> it's really committed. <sighs> and like, I'm sorry if you're from Myrtle Beach, but there's nicer places. The sand is pretty. Yeah, it's just. Well, we'll hear a lot about it here, but okay. Um, Don't make a snap judgment. It's not a snap judgment. I've been there twice. Oh, true. I've crashed half the time. <laughs> so. They're, yeah, they're going to drive like 13, 14 hours, and Brittany is like, hey, mom, hey, dad, 
want to totally go to spring break with my friends. How about that? And they're like, no, absolutely not. You're not going to do that. So, well, she's so young, right? She's 17. So totally understandable. Unless you're like on fucking Laguna Beach. God. Then they're like, you're 15. Go get hammered in Mexico. Yeah. Let's send you to Cabo for a fucking week. Yeah. Whatever. Those little assholes. So Brittany's parents are Don and Chad Drexel. And at this point in time, they were actually in the midst of a separation that had begun about a year prior Chad had already moved out of the family home at this point, and Chad was actually Brittany's stepfather, but he had adopted her shortly after she was born, and then he married Dawn. So he's, like, I think Brittany still had some contact with her biological father, but for all intents and purposes, Chad was her dad. Like, that's who she called dad. She was really close with him. He's the Chad. Yeah, he's the Chad. He adopted her and he raised her. And then they went on to have two children together, a boy and a girl, Marissa and Camden. So Brittany's got two younger siblings. Um, Her father, Chad, recalls that during this time of turmoil, so not only were her parents separated, about to get a divorce, their home was actually in foreclosure as well. So they were going to have to move out of their house too. So Chad's already moved out. Now they're looking to have to leave. A lot of big changes. A lot of big changes. And he said it led to some odd behavior on Brittany's part. So normally she was a really good student. She was really responsible. She was really active on the soccer team. She was on the varsity soccer team. I would know all about that because I never played soccer, but my screen name and email address was soccer girl. 04. 04 at Hotmail. Just shoot me an email if you guys want. It's fine. Why was it 04? Because I have no idea. Just because that was the year it was? Because you didn't graduate in 04. No, it was not the year. It wasn't year. even the year. No, I wasn't a sophomore and <laughs> still living out my fantasy soccer of being a soccer girl. girl. No, I was like... In sixth grade. Yeah. And I guess four was my favorite number. I don't know. I don't know. I was big T-Rex 33. See? Why 33? Because you were 33 years old when you did it. <laughs> you bitch (laughs) yes I was 33 I'm 73 now so thanks for bringing it up um so Brittany was a real soccer girl and she was really like did really well in school and she was a really responsible kid but while all this is happening she's starting to let her academic performance slip she's trying to skip school she's acting out yeah she's rebelling a little bit she actually overdosed on some pain medicine oh my god yeah it's not everybody like her friends and family said that they don't think that she was trying to commit suicide they think probably what happened was that she took maybe one and didn't feel didn't think it worked and maybe took another one (laughs) just took too much like not realizing how strong it was. Scary. Um, but yeah, so all of these things are happening like kind of during this time. And she was just, she was just having a hard time. Like it was a lot. And when I, we watched the, did you watch it too? The Disappeared on? Okay. So the Disappeared did an episode on this. Now this was a long time ago. I think the Disappeared aired maybe in 2012 or something like, or 2014. I don't remember. But in that episode, her, her really good friend Tara was talking about 
you know, this time in their lives or whatever. And she was just like, it, I don't know. It just, it hits home how young she was because she's like junior year was just such a hard year for Brittany. And I'm like, she was so young, like junior year. I just, I don't know. It's like when time stops for somebody and it's junior year, it's like, there's so many more things that I know you can go on to do. It's just sad. So who is Brittany Drexel? Brittany was, like we said, 17 years old at the time of her disappearance. She played soccer growing up, soccer girl, 17, and was on the girls' varsity team at her high school, Gates, how did we say? Gates Chai Lei High School. Friends and family reported that even though she was small, so she was 5 foot and 100 pounds at this time, she was super fast on the soccer field, and they called her a force to be reckoned with. Wow. So they kind of talked about her like, I feel like it's, I think it would have been cool to, you know, know her and see, because it's like when she's not playing soccer, the way they talk about her is this like just super, super sweet, like really trusting, you know, like do anything for anybody kind of person. But then she gets on the soccer field and she's like, she's Red Ross. Oh, yeah. She's like, zoom, zoom, zoom. And like, right. she just gets in the scrum. Beep, beep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she's like, yeah, she ain't nothing to fuck with mm-hmm. on the soccer field. Damn. I tried to do like a Wu-Tang Clan. clan. <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan. Okay, small child. I have a speech about <laughs> So, yeah, I was trying to do like this, though... Though she be but mighty or small, I see. I yeah, you fucked, fucked it up, up already. <laughs> so anyway, she was little, but she was fast. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's where I'm trying God. to get with that. Ugh. Moving on. It's like a whole minute I can't get back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she was born with a condition called persistent hyperplastic primary vitreous, or PHPV, which caused her right eye to wander. She wore contacts to prevent the eye from wandering and had several surgeries for the condition. And the latest of the surgeries was about a year before her disappearance. So wow. I'm guessing that's where the pain medicine came from. Sure. Yeah. Too. It's like, she's like, I have some. That makes sense. I'll take some or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So she had to have a lot of surgeries for it, which is unfortunate. But if you see pictures of her, I mean, you can't tell the, so at the all. contacts worked, obviously. And yeah. Pr- probably in part the surgeries that she had too right and I think she was still supposed to have more after that wow yeah it's just like some kind of connection that doesn't form correctly and And just in one of her eyes yeah in just one but I mean I feel like I've encountered people who have that condition probably and I didn't realize it I just didn't realize how that worked until I kind of read up on this but the fact that you could get a contact and like kind of correct it do you think that the contacts only worked if it was like a part of the surgery. You'd have to have the surgery first and the contacts. I don't know. I just don't understand how the contacts would. Yeah, I don't either it. unless they're like. It's some kind of like a magnet that oh they my. put in or something. Yeah, and, I'm not really sure. I don't know. But I mean, science. I, I read up minimally on it and then most of the words in there I didn't understand. So I moved on from there. Um, so anyway, she wears contacts. That's that's what you need to know. Okay, thanks. <laughs> but her eyes were this like really bright blue. They were gorgeous. So I thought maybe the contacts were colored, but I don't think they were. I think they were just, she just wore the contacts for it. Beautiful. Yeah, people often ask me if I oh, wear colored God. contacts. <laughs> no. Yeah, her eyes also glow in black light. She looks like 
an alien. Me. Yeah, Torella. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I would never speak ill of Brittany. No, her eyes are probably beautiful in black light. I guarantee they Mine are. are creepy than fuck. <laughs> so back to the spring break trip. Dawn Drexel, which is her mom, said that going to Myrtle Beach for spring break is a senior tradition in Rochester. So Rochester is like the big town near Chile, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I'm just going to talk about Rochester from now on. Cool. Just for everybody else's Sake. benefit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she said everybody just went. It was a thing. All the seniors went, but Brittany was a junior and... She needed to wait her turn. Yeah, and she had these girls that invited her to go with them, and her mom was like, "Uh -uh, you're not going on that. She was like, it's 14 hours away. There's no parental supervision. You're not 18. Like, all the girls that were going were over 18, and they didn't have any parents going with them. And she's like, something could happen to you. Like, I don't have a good feeling about it. I don't want you going. You know, and Brittany's like, well, it's just a few days, and... They actually got in a huge fight about it, like screaming at each other, which Don and Chad both said was Unlike not her, normal. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, she definitely was acting out. And well, but that's also a very high school reaction to something like that because you don't understand the the things that could happen, like the danger involved. When exactly. You're little, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like it's the beach. What could happen? Like you're yeah. not thinking about human trafficking, abduction drug overdose somebody slipping shit in your drinks like even when we were in our 20s going to bars and people would be like you know never set your drink down or whatever i'm like loser i'll set my drink down if i want to like (laughs) that's rude loser (laughs) like why are you such a square (laughs) but i mean it really does happen and i think that actually a bartender one night when we went out with some of our friends I think the bartender fucking spiked their drinks. I happened to not get a drink there. Or no, actually, Andrew ordered my drink, but whatever. I didn't go up to the bar and get my own drink, but they got their own drink. Did they remember? Like, what did they? They have no memory of the... Re- <gasps> like, and literally, like, Scary. we got there, and then we, like, the band was playing, and I'm like, okay, let's go up here and start dancing. And then I look at them, and I'm like, what the fuck happened to you? We've been here five, ten minutes, and they couldn't even stand up by themselves oh, anymore. God. It was bad. And... The guy, actually, that was the bartender there that night ended up getting arrested like a year later for drugging people (gasps) at that bar. Oh, my god! And they were like, I I fucking swear I was roofied because it was like they couldn't. And I don't know if the bartender didn't realize that their boyfriends were with them that night. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so, like, anything can happen. You have to be so vigilant about stuff like that. And when you're 17, 18. Well, you're just like, that's not fair. My friends are going. Yeah. That's the only thing you think about. And you're invincible. Nothing's going to happen to you. Right. Everything happens to other people. Yeah, because you're, like, you're smarter than that, you know? You're like, I've heard of stuff happening to other people. I'm not going to let that happen to me. Like, I'm, you know, it's just not going to happen to me. Right. That's why I'm terrified of being a parent. I'm like, I know of all the things that can happen to you, and you are going to think, but that won't happen to me. But I know it could. Scary. And Dawn was the same way. She's like, no, you're not going. Like, there's just absolutely no way you're going to go. And so Brittany was fucking pissed, which is what a high schooler is going to feel like. And so she asked Chad, and Chad was like, no, you're not going. And he's like, you haven't kept up with your schoolwork. It's not going to happen. So she's pissed. She's having a rough time, and then she comes up with a compromise, and she says, Mom, okay, instead of Myrtle Beach, can I just go spend the night with one of my friends here? 
it's like the last few days of spring break or whatever. I'll just spend the night with her. We'll take a couple days to cool off. And then like, I'll come back to school, but it'll kind of be like my vacation or whatever. And Dawn's like, that's fine. You can stay with whoever this person is. I don't know the name of this person. So Brittany is crossing her fingers. This is not true. She actually had Dawn. Dawn seems like a pretty vigilant mom. Like she was like, okay, well, let me talk to her mom and make sure that she knows that you're going to be there and that it's okay with her. So Brittany puts on one of her friends on the cell phone who just pretends to be this girl's mom. And Dawn's like, sounded, you know, I was told I was talking to a parent. She sounded mature to me. So whatever. And I'm sure she just stuck to a script or something. I don't know. But Dawn thinks that Brittany's going to spend the last couple days with a friend, maybe in town. Yeah. Maybe 15 minutes away. And that night she drives 14 hours with her friends to Myrtle beach. So she asked her boyfriend, John Greco, if he would go too. she wanted him to go too, and he had to work. He couldn't go. So he's like, you know, I didn't think it was a big deal. It was just a three day trip. Everybody goes to Myrtle beach. He was like, I thought it would be good for her because I knew what a hard time she was having at home. And just I thought escape it. Kind yeah. Of. Just kind of get away, go to the beach, like party. Just, Sun's out, buns out. Yeah. Like just have a good time. Like, yeah. Wear your party cardy. Like just have fun. Get your toes painted. Yeah. Straighten that hair girl. Or also get your hair wrapped. Oh my God. Barbados style. <laughs> John did not personally know the people that Brittany traveled with. But the names of the other girls she traveled with are Alana Lippa and Jennifer Oberer. So many consonants. Just wait. Oh. <laughs> the girls met up with or traveled with a group of guys. So in the room together would have been Alana, Jennifer, and Brittany. And then the guys they traveled with were Phil Oberer, which was Jennifer's brother, and Alana's boyfriend. And his friend, which was Jennifer's boyfriend, I don't even, Ugger, Ozturk, U-G-U-R. All I can think of is U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. <laughs> it's like, when I'm trying to like... But that's not an attack, personal attack on him. It's just the It's just the, the way that his name is spelled and it immediately makes me think of that. I don't know why. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's... That's all I can tell you about his name. Yeah. So I guess Phil and uh, Ugger, I mean, I just don't know, stayed in a room together and they were at a different hotel than the girls were. They also ended up meeting up with a guy named Peter Brozowitz, who Brittany knew from New York. And it's unclear how they knew each other. Peter was 20. Brittany was 17. They knew each other, but a big age difference when you're that age yeah so maybe they went to the same high school and like kind of knew each other around or something and he's already graduated I don't know but they they were acquaintances enough that they bump into each other on this trip and then they hang out a couple times after so Peter I'm gonna post pictures of him GTL like all the way <laughs> he wears like puka shell necklaces this is 2009 yes it's the year of the puka shell necklace yes. and tan skin. <laughs> He's so tan. He may have thought Brittany was the rarest rose. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Did he get regular blowouts? <clears throat> he in... had to have. Now, his teeth were beautiful. Mm. Are beautiful. I'm sure they're still beautiful. I'm sure they are. Well, if you're tan enough, 
anybody's teeth are almost beautiful. You know what I mean? That's true. They almost, they're so white. They almost look like Ross's when he gets them whitened. <laughs> like, I think they may glow in the dark. Demon! Demon! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not sure. So the girls stayed at room in room 305 at Bar Harbor Resort, and this is at 100 Ocean Boulevard in Myrtle Beach. Peter and his friends stayed at the Blue Water Blue Oh man, the Blue Water <laughs> Resort, and the two resorts are about 1.4 miles apart, both on Ocean Boulevard. So um, Brittany could zip right over there in no time, I'm sure. Yeah. So I don't actually I didn't write down the name of the hotel that Philip and Ugger, like, I feel like I'm just saying his name so wrong. But uh, what else are you going to say? But I'm from the South, so this is how I can read it. I don't mm-hmm. know. So I didn't write down the name of the hotel that they stayed at, but it doesn't seem like at any point Brittany ever went to that hotel. Like, they either all went out together, but or maybe they came to their resort, but Brittany did go to Peter's room a couple times, so that's really why we're focusing on that one as much. According to her boyfriend, John Greco, Brittany was not having a good time in Myrtle Beach. So the girls that she went with, who were supposed to be her friends, were apparently being super hateful towards her. And she got to the point that she would just rather stay by herself, like walking around Myrtle Beach, than be around those girls. One eternity later. It's a Turkish name, and apparently it is pronounced Uwer. Uwer? Yeah, that's what it says. Oops. Uber. All right. Dawn said that Brittany didn't walk anywhere, even if her friend lived like four or five houses down. She'd want Dawn to drive her or she'd want to take a car. Like she didn't walk. But at the same time in Myrtle Beach, you're not going to drive anywhere. She didn't come with a car anyway. And I'm that way. I mean, we where we live, it's not a pedestrian city. But no, if I'm possible. in the right place, I'll walk places. That doesn't bother me. So. Yeah. Yeah. You Because... The strip is so busy and it's like constantly just standstill traffic. You, it's like that scene in, what is it? Um, Bruce Almighty or whatever, where he's like stuck in <laughs> Not traffic. Doing <laughs> and the guy in like a walker passes him. Like, right. it's like you're going to do much better walking. So there's really no reason to get in a car. Right. Exactly. If you're just going down the strip. Totally. If you're going to go to the Starbucks, maybe like a few streets over, you'll want to drive there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But she she was just kind of walking around Myrtle Beach by herself because she was just felt alienated from the group. And like... It's really sad being yeah. that far away and not having... Yeah. And it's really weird. Like everybody says it's just so weird why she went to Myrtle Beach with them anyway because they weren't like... Super good friends. None of Brittany's really good friends knew these girls at all. And Brittany didn't seem to know them that well. But, of course, being a junior, if a group of seniors invite you on a trip, I think you are going to want to go. Yeah, it makes you feel super cool. Yeah, and maybe you're like, wow, I didn't. now I'm part of this, you know, group too or whatever. Like, this is my chance or whatever it is. But the girls, once they got down there, seemed to just not like her or decide that they didn't want to be around her. I don't know. But like the two girls each had a bed, I think in the hotel room. And then Brittany stayed on a Murphy bed. So it like folds out of the wall or whatever. And at one point they didn't lock her in that Murphy bed. They tried to, she was laying on it or sitting on it and they pushed the button to like stow it up to fold it back up. People die that way. Yeah. And they were hoping to like, I guess trap her in there. Just like be assholes. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, John also reported that Brittany said they were the girls were doing a lot of drugs on the trip and she wasn't comfortable with it. And she didn't want to take part in doing drugs. So she just kind of started spending more time alone and she didn't really feel welcome with them. I don't know if they were making fun of her for not wanting to do drugs or whatever, but she just she wasn't comfortable. So she ended up spending a lot more time alone. So now we'll get to the timeline, like hours leading up to Brittany's disappearance. So April the 24th, 2009, Brittany and her friends go to Club Kryptonite and they run into Peter and his friends. Now, these are people staying with Peter in his room. Matthew Abrams, Philip Watson, Keith Cummings, and Anthony Shemizzi, I think. It's unclear what time they visited the club. And it's actually unclear whether it was the 24th or the 23rd, because it was the 23rd that they got down there, and that would have been a Thursday night. I'll, you'll see why it's unclear, whether it's Thursday or Friday, but... So I'm guessing that they're going back to school on that co- pre- the coming Monday. Monday, yeah. Why would they drive 14, 14 hours, hours for a three-day weekend? It's crazy. That is so... And the other thing is there's a beach nearby there. It's like a lake, but it's kind of like a party beach. I don't know. It's like, there's your vacation. Yeah. Why don't you just go there? 20 minutes. Yeah. But I mean, it's not what they wanted to do. So, and I guess it was like the tradition or whatever, but still, Mm -hmm. you think they would have left like the Sunday prior if you have the whole week off for spring break. For sure. But you know, it is what it is. So Brittany was being catcalled. When she was walking down Ocean Boulevard and she was uncomfortable, she saw a guy who she said looked nice and asked him to walk with her so the guys would stop yelling at her. And he did just that. And for unknown reasons, she ended up going back to his hotel room with him. But obviously nothing happened between them. They were just hanging out. But probably she was feeling super left out, didn't want to be around the girls or whatever. And so he was like, you want to hang out? And she's like, okay. So she went back up to his room, but he took a video, a short video on his cell phone of her. And in the video, she's just kind of like sitting in a chair on the balcony. She's texting. He's like, hey, Brit," And she like looks up and she looks really embarrassed, kind of, you know, like being shy. Yeah. Um, it's a super short video, but the timestamp on that video makes it seem like because that was Friday night. So it seems like. Maybe the night before that is when they went to Club Crypt tonight. So, because otherwise, that video happened like around 11 p.m., I think, and they should have been at Club Crypt tonight. So, it's really unclear which night this happened. But that's where Kryptonite is where she ran into Peter and his friends. So, mm-hmm. there's pictures of her there, there's uh, pictures of them together. They're in the VIP area because Peter's 20 and he can fucking drink in a bar. Like, I don't understand it. They get Brittany in, who's 17, Alana, Jennifer. They're all 18, 19 years old. But they're in there and drinking, correct? Oh, yes. Big time. Wow. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of areas in Myrtle Beach, too, that turn a blind eye to underage drinking because it's like... A lot of, you know, these kids are going to come and they want to party. But, yeah, I mean, they even got a VIP area. I'm like, what? Okay. Just even drink. Reminds me of Clone High. I don't know if anybody listening ever watched that show, but it was so fucking funny. It was. I have it all on DVD. It's just so good. But the cop shows up, busts the party, and he's like, oh, if it isn't my old friend, underage drinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. So ridiculous. 
Okay, so we see that video, and the video comes comes out a lot later, but this is where it fits in the timeline. It's it's that night. So she she's hanging out at that hotel room for a while, and then the next day is Saturday, April the 25th. So sometime between 11 a.m. and noon, Brittany meets Peter and his, like, dudes at the beach for a while. It seems like this is the beach where their resort is because all of these hotels are on the beach. It's just walking further down. And Peter's going to really need to keep that tan up. Oh, absolutely. He's got the, like, the spray that has the number eight on it, but it's really just, like, baby oil, but it's Hawaiian Tropic or whatever. Yes, yes. And it smells like coconuts or something. Yes, exactly. That's what he's got going on. No sunscreen at all. No. She seems to have made her own way there, either walking or catching a ride, but her quote-unquote friends weren't with her, so it was just her that showed up there. And What a lonely vacation. Yeah. And then she probably got a ride back to her hotel, probably from Peter, um, because she ended up leaving her flip-flops in his car that day. So I think that he drove her back because he had a car there. So, sometime later on that afternoon, Dawn calls Brittany to discuss purchasing a new pair of soccer cleats. And when Dawn asked Brittany what she was doing, she said she was at the beach. And Dawn said it didn't occur to her that she was not where she said she was supposed to be. Because there's that beach that's close to them, right? Yeah, Charlotte Beach is close. And she said it was over 80 degrees that day in Rochester. And so, she was like, I wouldn't doubt that she and her friends went you know, went over there to the beach or whatever. So she didn't, she didn't think anything about it at all. And then before they hung up, Brittany said, I love you, mom. I'll see you tomorrow, which is good that they got past their disagreement. And it's just heartbreaking because that's the last thing she ever heard from her. But, and you also have to wonder, I don't know, like, did Brittany just slip and say like, Oh, I'm at the beach. Or, or did she think mom will think I'm talking about Charlotte beach or did she maybe say I'm at the beach in hopes that her mom would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then yeah, she could be like, I need, need to, to come, come get me. Like, yeah. I'm not having a good time. Like, cause she was miserable. She was absolutely miserable there. She hated it. She had already like by that evening had already like packed up most of her stuff and was ready for the car ride the next morning. Like she was ready to get the fuck out of there. So at eight, around eight or eight fifteen, Brittany is seen on a traffic cam walking to what we know is Blue Water Resort. So she's leaving her hotel. She's walking down the street and she's heading to Blue Water, which That's is where Peter's. Peter is. Yeah. yeah. So she's she's headed that way. Around And the reason that there's, like, time gaps here is because all of the security cameras are off. Like, the times are off. Story of our lives. Like, they're never correct. So there's a little bit of a time discrepancy, but it's, like, a 15-minute window or so. So it's around 8 to 8.15. 8.25 to 8.40, she's caught on the security camera walking into the Blue Water Resort lobby. She's wearing a multicolored shirt. It looks like one of those cold shoulder kind of shirts or like... Oh, yeah. Remember how like they would have the little strap on the shoulder, but then the sleeve part would be open? It kind of maybe looks like either that or like the cold shoulder thing, you know? I think I know what you're talking about. Or, like yeah. the sleeve just kind of hangs there. Yeah. Uh, she's wearing, it looks like black shorts 
white flip-flops and she's got a purse over her shoulder. So she walks into the lobby. Then she goes up to room 601 where Peter and his friends are staying. She's only there about 10 minutes. So according to the incident report filed by Myrtle Beach Police Department, Phil Watson and Keith Cummings said that Brittany left after that short amount of time to walk back to her hotel because Jennifer Oberer, who was staying in the room with her, had texted her wanting the shorts back that Brittany had borrowed that night because now she's decided she wants to wear them. So I guess it's unclear whether Brittany just took them without asking or if she asked to borrow them and then she made her walk all the way back. Because she changed her mind or something. Yeah. I'm kind of leaning towards the latter because they'd been such assholes to her that maybe they thought that would be a funny joke. Like, let's just make her life a living hell. Yeah, because... By this point, she's walked, she's done like a 20 to 30 minute walk already. And then it's literally as soon as she gets there, she's like, oh, I want those shorts back. And they said Brittany was pissed because she's like, I just walked all the way here. And now I've got to turn around and walk back because she's saying she's got to have these shorts right now. And they kind of got into a little argument over text about it. And then Brittany was like, fine, I'll just go. Yeah. So she leaves. And she's seen exiting the Blue Water Resort lobby at 8.48 p.m. on that, according to that camera's time. And then the next camera that should pick her up is that first camera that we talked about leaving. She never makes it there. Oh, my God. She's never seen on that second camera again. So, and that would be the one closer to her resort. So, now we're looking at a gap of... 10 to 15 minutes and then she's gone. So the last text that John gets from her is 8:58 p.m. He said they'd been texting pretty consistently and she stops responding at 8:58. And so he's like, you know, he said after like 15 20 minutes went by and she hadn't responded to him, he knew that something was weird because she'd been in constant contact with him and she hadn't been like so busy that trip that she couldn't respond, you know, and he knew that she was walking by herself in Myrtle Beach. So he kept texting her. He started calling her. She wasn't answering. She wasn't calling back. She wasn't texting back. And then he started saying, Brittany, if you don't answer me right now, I'm going to, I'm going to call your mom and tell her where you are. And he was like, I knew that would get her attention because obviously she doesn't want me to get her ass in trouble. And she didn't say anything. And he's like, I got really, really worried. And so he waited a few more minutes. And then he called Dawn and told her, Brittany's in South Carolina and I can't find her. And he didn't know the other girls that she was with. He didn't know the other people. So he didn't have anybody else to get in contact with. So, but Dawn did. Dawn had the girls' numbers because these are the girls that pretended to be her mom. I mean, the other mom. Yeah, because she said, you know, these are the girls I'm going to spend the night with or whatever. So she did have their number, which is another really responsible thing. You know, like, I'll have to remember that. Get parents' phone numbers. Mm-hmm. Like when my kids are going to go somewhere. Yeah. When they're old enough, you know. Like, obviously, if Ben's seven and he goes for a sleepover, I'm going to fucking have their number. But Right, and meet them face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And spend the night there, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, so am I on the couch? Or, like, do you got a sleeping bag? Where am I? Where am I going to be here? Exactly. Um, so she starts calling them. They're not answering. They're not calling her back. I don't have... I guess I don't... 
I mean, I don't know a lot about these girls, but what I do know about them, I just don't like them. I'm yeah. just going to say it. Well, just being mean. Yeah. And then, like, having nothing to do with... Now they're saying, look, we can't find Brittany. She seems to have gone missing because... Now, apparently, Jennifer didn't really need these shorts back because she fucking still went out that night. She didn't have the shorts. She didn't think anything was, like, weird when Brittany never showed up. Like, and she should have been there, like, ten minutes later. Just didn't even give a care, obviously. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. I don't have the phone records, but I don't... I've never seen any report that said Jennifer and Alana started calling her and texting her trying to, you know, get in touch with her or anything like that. They just went on about their night as normal. So, after Dawn now learns that her daughter is not just a short drive away like she thought. She's a thousand miles away almost in Myrtle Beach. She's freaking the fuck out. Mm -hmm. And she's leaving Jennifer and Alana voicemails. To this day, they've never called her back. Like, never. So then she calls Peter, who does answer. And I'm not sure how she gets Peter's information. But he gives her varying stories about his encounters with Brittany during the trip and the last time he saw her and stuff like that. He says that, cause she's, she's saying, you know, I need help looking for her. Like I'm not there. I can't be there right now. Like I'm leaving, but it's going to take me hours to get there. I need help to find her. And he's like, well, I'm not her babysitter. So too bad. Oh, oh my like, God. Yeah. He was just kind of an asshole about it. So Dawn ends up calling their family friend, John Hahn who's stationed in North Carolina about three hours from Myrtle Beach, and he drives to Myrtle Beach to file a missing persons report. So, and that's the incident report I, I mentioned earlier. Um, during all of this commotion, two of the guys from the group that Brittany traveled with get arrested. Uwer, whatever. And now here's another one. Viet, Nguyen, Nguyen, I'm Googling it. Pronounce look it up, are pulled over in Phil Oberer's orange 2004 Pontiac Grand Prix GT for a noise ordinance. Ewer was ticketed for driving without a license and... One eternity later. Viet as, uh, as in diet. Oh. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so Viet is pulled over or gets a ticket for littering in addition to the noise ordinance. Phil and Jennifer reportedly posted bail for them later that evening slash into the next morning, you know, whatever time that happened, I guess. And they also picked up the car from the impound lot. And what's really strange about this too is, so Uwer gets a ticket this night for driving without a license, and literally like two or three days before, he got a ticket for driving without a license in New York. Did not learn a lesson, obviously. No. So he's just like, who cares? I'll be in Myrtle Beach, whatever. Yeah, it's not the same law. Exactly. So police arrive at the Bar Harbor Resort. They knock on the door of room 305, but they get no answer. They are yelling like, please, please, and you know, all these things. They want to come in. Nobody's answering, so they end up going in the room. The room has nobody in it. The girls, Jennifer, Alana, are not there. But they do find belongings of Brittany's, including all her clothes, her makeup, her flat iron that she never went anywhere without, and some belongings of Alana and Jennifer as well. So, and like her mom, Dawn, said that 
Now, I'm pretty sure she had a chi. I feel like Brittany would have had a chi. Oh, for sure. Like a and blue one or like a purple one or something. Yeah, one cute. of the really cute ones. So, I mean, in 09, your hair had to be stick straight. Yes. And, and the chi probably had, like, the the name chi was probably in, like, diamonds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She literally, like, if she was going to up and leave, she would have brought all that shit with her. For sure. Like, she was not going to, like, go stay in another room or, you know, so... This is telling Dawn, okay, I really need to be worried here. There's something wrong because we can't find her. And they kept calling Brittany over and over and over. And then eventually her phone just starts going to voicemail. Because it's dead, I'm sure. It's just not looking good. So then the officers call Alana and Jennifer. And they do talk to them on the phone. And... They also call the guys from 601, so like Peter and everybody, and they tell them about them about meeting Brittany at Club Kryptonite and that she had visited their room earlier that evening, but they didn't see her since then because she'd left due to a fight with her hotel mate. So this is a Saturday night. They're all supposed to check out and go home the next day. But for some reason, Alana and Jennifer change hotels altogether this night. Now, why would they do that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, they don't come back to the hotel at Bar Harbor. They go to the Boardwalk Motel, which is, I think, still very nearby, but they literally change hotels, which is, was that planned? Right. Were they going to change hotels and just leave Brittany in Myrtle Beach? that's what I'm saying. Like, why wouldn't they have even wanted to stay there just in case Brittany came back to tell her, like, hey, girl, we're going to be over here now? Right. Like... Yeah, because it didn't seem like Brittany was aware of any hotel change that was going to happen. So if they planned it before, like, what the fuck is that about? Because you're her ride down there. What What is she supposed to do? But then if it wasn't planned, I mean, that doesn't look good. What are the odds that you just up and decide to change hotel rooms for no reason at all? The night that your roommate gets goes missing. Goes missing yeah. yeah, like, what are the odds there? Not only do Alana and Jennifer move hotel rooms, Peter and his dudes leave town at like one or two in the morning. Which was not the plan. Which was not the plan. They forfeit a deposit, their room deposit, by checking out in the middle of the night like that. And it wasn't planned. And they frantic. And they actually left a bunch of their shit in the room, too. Okay, yeah. They didn't even take all their stuff. So all of a sudden now... That's sketchy as fuck. They're gone. Yeah. And now they know that she's missing because they've already... They've talked to the police at this point. Right. And we're assholes to Brittany's mom. And, you know, like... Yeah. And, and it, like, it seems like a couple of the guys were... I mean, they were at least talking to the police and stuff like that. Peter wasn't there. They didn't talk to him. I think they just talked to him on the phone. But he was probably GTLing. Yeah, he was out. He was, they were out partying that night. So that's another weird thing to me. If you're partying, why are you going to leave at one in the morning and drive fucking 14 hours? Right. That's not, that's not safe. I do my best cross country driving hammered ass drunk. So, well, all right. All right. I take it back. I take it back. (laughs) I'm just, there are reasons. Yeah. So as we stand now, Brittany's missing. Mm -hmm. She's vanished without a trace. She's literally been in Myrtle Beach like 60 hours. 
It's her first trip by herself. 17. 17. And she's gone. So we have her hotel mates, moving hotels, literally evading and ignoring her mom, not returning her phone calls, her texts, her voicemails, like none of that. They're offering no assistance whatsoever. And just how hateful and rude they've been to her the entire time that she was there. Like, yeah. Yeah, none of that looks good it at does, all. No, it does not look good. And then we have Peter and his friends just leaving in the middle of the night unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. So they're starting to look like in the Myrtle Beach area because we also know that it seems like she went missing in this like very, very small window of time between those two traffic cameras or between the two security cameras. So if she was, in fact, walking back to her hotel from Blue Water to give Jennifer those shorts back, she should have hit that traffic cam and she didn't. And she was telling John that that's where she was going. So we have every reason to believe that's that's the direction she was heading. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like she would have walked out and gone the opposite direction and just told John that's where she was going. She would have no reason to lie to John, you know, for for that. I mean, he knew she was in Myrtle Beach. So we have her phone pinging so so right now they're looking in the Myrtle Beach area because that's where she went missing from but once they get her her phone records they learn that her phone pings near Surfside Beach which is like 10 miles south of Myrtle Beach and that happens at 9 27 p.m. so the last text to John from Brittany's phone was at 8 58 so now we have 29 minutes and she's at Surfside Beach and then at 11 58 p.m. It pings a second time off of a tower in Georgetown County near Pole Yard Boat Landing, and this is Tower 332. This is about an hour south of Myrtle Beach, and detectives say that that by the time with like traffic and everything, that by the time her phone pings that cell tower, they know for sure she's traveled in a car. There's no way she can walk that distance mm-hmm. in that amount of time. So she's traveling by car. She's moving at a rate of speed that is not just her walking. So what car did she get into? Because the only people that she knew with cars were did not give her the time of day, did not carry her anywhere. Right. Now, Peter says he did offer her a ride. Back to her hotel. Back to her hotel that night, but she declined. And she said, now just walk it. And he said, well, I don't want you walking by yourself or something like that, which I'm not 100% sure that I believe. And she said, well, I've been walking here by myself the whole time. I'll be fine. And he said it wasn't dark yet then. So he was like, I mean, she said she was fine. So like, whatever. But, um, you know, is it possible that they could have gone down to the garage or he could have gone down to the garage, pulled out and picked her up on the street? But when was he seen out partying later that night? Would that have been the time that her cell phone had pinged? Yeah. So does that negate yeah. the... Yeah. I mean, he he does a lot of stuff that looks suspicious, but... He's got receipts. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So as we get further into the investigation, we're going to see some evidence pointing in other ways. But that's where we are. Ugh. We're cliffhanger ready for part two next time. I know. I'm like a basket case of emotion. I know. It's so sad, too. It's very sad. Yeah. So, I mean, just a bunch of kids being kids and... 
be an asshole kid. Some of them. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. If you have any information about the disappearance of Brittany Drexel, call the Myrtle Beach Police Department at area code 843-918-1300 or the CUE at 910-343-1131. We'll see you next week for part two. And if you want early access to that episode, you can join our Patreon and get early access to future episodes and additional episodes as well. And also our entire back catalog of all of our other premium episodes. All the shit. All the shit. Yeah. Catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Get in on the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at Killer Queens Podcast and join our Facebook discussion group at Killer Queens Podcast where we discuss cases covered on the show and all things 90s. If you want to submit a case to be covered on the show, visit www.killerqueenspodcast.com slash case submission and complete the form. If we cover the case, we'll even give you a shout out on the show. Killer Queens is researched, mixed, and mastered by our own damn selves. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. And our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Lilas! <laughs> I've seen a woman without a bra at the drive-in that had one nip looking at you and one looking for you. Mm, maybe it's a condition. It could be. I don't know. So it's not Think ugger. sewer without the S. And roll the R. Uh-oh. I cannot That's roll my R's. Yeah. Go for it. Try it. Oh. <laughs> like that? <laughs> Apparently. Why would you need to roll that R? I don't. It's the only R there. But I mean, like, I feel like you roll an R that's like... In the middle with... Ruffles. Oh, yeah. I don't. I can't roll any R's. Not at the end. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. I don't know. Uber. Uber.